Hello and welcome to another episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. If this is your first time, then welcome. If you are a returning listener, then welcome back. This is episode 23. Actually, sorry, episode 22. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, and the first episode where we finally will get a look at what that new setup looks like that I've been talking about. I've been promising it uh, for a while now, but I've finally gotten pretty much everything how I want it. Still a few minor things to tweak and add, but for now it's good enough to at least start using it to to share with you guys. Uh, I mentioned I'd be using it to record uh, full episodes and full beer tastings. Uh, for today's episode, I'll be doing a full tasting, but not the recording uh, for the full episode to upload. The reason why is because the lighting isn't necessarily the best uh, in this room that I, I have the studio in, so I prefer to purchase some lamps or, um, you know, kind of to make the lighting less harsh, uh, make it more visually appealing. But I guess we'll see what happens once we get the full tasting. Uh, done today and then hopefully everyone uh, prefers this more and uh, I'll be able to make better content going forward. So just before we get into the main topic of the episode, uh, I wanted to chat again about uh, the upcoming award, the Craft Beer Talk Show Introduction to Craft Beer Choice of the Year Award. Last week I listed the finalists uh, who are up for the award and this week I'll be releasing polls on uh, Instagram, and you'll be able to vote on which beer you think deserves to take home uh, the hardware. That, of course, being uh, pretty much only bragging rights, but uh, also a, a small plaque, kind of like a certificate type thing that uh, the breweries can hang up in their brewery if they so choose to. Um, if you missed all of the stuff, kind of like maybe a breakdown of what the award is, um, you know, why kind of I'm doing it, this and that, like what it's for. You can check all that stuff out on the Instagram. Uh, I also have mentioned it in several episodes before. So if this is your first episode, maybe just check the backlog and you'll be able to um, take a look at that. I am just going to list the finalists again in case um, people you know, maybe don't go back and look or if you're, if you're not voting or, or whatever the case may be um, or you don't have Instagram maybe and you want to participate, you can email me at craftbeertalkshow at gmail.com. Um, but the finalists are Furnace Room Brewery, um, Beardmore Kolsch, uh, McKinnon Brothers Brewing. They have two beers. They're Crosscut Canadian Ale and their Harvest Ale. The Naughty Otter, they also have two beers, their Lager and their Pilsner. Then we have Old Credit Brewing, Iced Age Pilsner, uh, Steam Whistle Brewing, Premium Session Lager, and Storyteller Beverages with their Lager. So that's that's the finalist reward. Stay tuned on the Instagram at Craft Beer Talk Show. I'll be releasing those polls soon, and you guys can chime in. And then the decision will be made uh, next week, which is actually episode 23, even though I called this episode uh, number 23. But uh, that will be released next week, and then... Uh, on the Instagram page, it'll kind of be announced the next day. So that'll be the Saturday. But moving into kind of uh, everything we're going to chat about today. Last week, we talked about the finale to the Canadian beer story. Um, actually, the last three weeks, we had been talking about that. But we wrapped it up um, with craft beer in Canada and how it all got started. Um, all that kind of fun stuff that, that makes you know craft beer the best kind of beer. But I got some feedback 
and some questions from listeners asking about uh, other parts of the world. And actually, the, the question was, um, what's the difference between the United States craft scene and the Canadian craft beer scene? So in today's main topic, um, I'll pretty much be breaking down the answer uh, in two questions. The first being, you know, what is the difference between the United States craft beer scene um, and the Canadian craft beer scene? And then the second being, you know, what is craft beer like all over the world? So to answer the first question is very simple. There really isn't, you know, major differences at all. Uh, they're actually pretty similar. Of course, just like most things that involve two different places, it comes down um, to different things. One being uh, interest, so overall interest in craft beer, and the second being regional and sometimes cultural differences. So when comparing the states in Canada, craft beer was actually um, popular in the states before it was popular here. Um, they were ahead of us, I think, about uh, by a decade. But when it comes to like regional and, and cultural differences, um, you know, we're similar in a lot of ways. I think that when we think about craft beer snobs, uh, as some would call us, um, you know, we are a very similar type of person. Uh, we're individuals who have a passion for local taste and craftsmanship when it comes to delivering a quality beer. Um, and I think it's as simple as that. I, I would even go as far as saying that that's most likely the case all around the world. Um, craft beer is something that people can express themselves in or their their passions and have, you know, whatever they want the end product to come out as. And I would imagine that a lot of these breweries, um, and this is speaking for you know most of them in the world they want their beer to reflect a either a personal memento or something that's local to them or you know if they're paying like homage to to forefathers or um you know founders of you know the city country whatever it may be or literally you know maybe their dog who's passed away there's there's tons of things that um i think craft reflects and of course even the mainstream breweries they all have a story too, and I and I talked about that um, in the last three episodes. You know, talking about Cana- Canadian beer uh, history, I talked about the backlogging of of everything that's happened and kind of how everything's come to be. So, realistically, the entire beer scene, in a way, is is all based on, um, you know, history and and passion and and something that they take pride in but i think definitely the craft beer scene um is more so of that so that would bring me kind of the next topic you know what is craft beer like around the world and i think to answer that question specifically i would have to dive in um to the beer history of different countries so without doing that which is something that you know i'm not opposed to doing and I, I think I will be doing more of that in the future, especially uh, European countries and, and all their history with the beverage. I think it could make for some lengthy and, and very informative episodes. But trying to answer, you know, for them all is kind of tough. So as I mentioned about regional and cultural differences, that would be the main factor that separates um, them or the amount of interest that each country has. Um, so to break down these things, I researched two different lists. So I I researched um, those being the top beer cities in the world and also the most countries are, I don't even know how I wrote this down, but the countries that produce the most beer and also the countries that have the most breweries. And it was honestly 
kind of complicated. You'll find out why when I get to kind of the latter portion. But uh, I'll definitely start with the top beer cities in the world. So these are cities, obviously, that that you would want to travel to. And this was based off of uh, CNN Travel. Um, website. So these are places that you would want to go to get the most out of beer, whether it be uh, culture, history, um, maybe the best beer, maybe uh, these people take the most pride in their brewing. Um, and then maybe you could make plans once uh, this whole COVID thing ends uh, to visit these cities. I know for sure I will. Um, they were definitely probably already on my list anyways before I, I read the list, but uh, here we go. I'll read the list now. So I don't believe that these are actually in uh, any particular order. Uh, I don't think it was ranked. It was like a, just a top 15. I don't think it's it's 1 through 15 or whatever like that. So uh, first we have a few American cities. So we got Portland, Maine, um, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Then we, we jump into um, Brussels, Belgium which makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, these next two are kind of interesting. Um, Tokyo, Japan, and Shanghai, China. I think um, you know the whole continent of Asia almost gets overlooked as being um, a beer you know, continent or have beer cities, beer countries, whatever. And I think that you know, some, this is kind of foreshadowing, there will be some revelations in the next uh, list that reveal kind of... Uh, why that is but um berlin germany um that's i think that's a no-brainer for me i think all of germany basically is is worth visiting too if you're going there for beer um rome italy that's another one that kind of surprised me um i think obviously stereotypically italians are known for wine um but i didn't i didn't realize that that they were a top beer city um vancouver british columbia so that's very cool. I spent a lot of time in Vancouver. They do have some cool breweries. Um, we've got we got uh, Melbourne, Australia. Um, we've got Cape Town, South Africa, Lisbon, uh, Portugal, uh, Warsaw, Poland, um, Tallinn in Estonia, and Budapest, Hungary. So definitely some interesting, almost kind of like shockers. I wouldn't say like a lot of the European. Um, uh, cities uh, I'm not surprised other than maybe Rome but um, I'm actually quite shocked that Vancouver is on there over Toronto um, I definitely would have thought Toronto would have been on there over Vancouver and actually I did look at another list before I kind of found this one I thought this was more legit just being you know CNN travel kind of a, a more well-known website rather than what I was looking on before, which might have been a more uh, biased website. But uh, Ottawa and Toronto were actually on uh, another list, which I thought very interesting. Um, Ottawa, very cool beer town as well, and I think honestly pretty on par with uh, Vancouver, whereas I guess Vancouver's cool because you do have like places like Tofino, and then, ah, but actually... Is Tofino really in Vancouver? No, that's in British Columbia. So, I don't know. Interesting. I don't think that's... I think I would have put Toronto on there over Vancouver. But, hey, if you've been uh, to Vancouver and you know the beer scene there better than I do, I guess you can prove me wrong. But uh, I have spent time in breweries in both cities, and I definitely would give 
um, the cake to Toronto. So the next list actually gave me the hardest time to research um, when I thought it would be a lot, lot easier. So forgive me if the stats are all wrong, which I almost kind of know they are because a lot of the sites were outdated and I couldn't find relevant information, like some information I could find that was in uh, either from this year or 2019 at least. Uh, so I'll kind of update you know, the list or whatever as we go back and forth. So hopefully you can keep up because it might get a little bit confusing and I apologize for that. But um, the countries um, that produce the most beer and um, we'll, so we'll start with that and then I did talk about you know have the most breweries this and that uh, and then we'll also talk about consumption uh, and we'll all kind of talk about it in what and that's that's what I really found was really confusing and I wish that I, I knew somebody that was kind of like a you know a beer analyst or in that um, you know business sector that knows the beer uh, market really well but uh, the top 10 beer producing countries so number 10 we have spain and i think the same thing as i was saying about um, like the asian continents as i mentioned you, you'll find out when we talk about this but there's other countries on here that almost shocked me because they aren't on the top 15 beer cities or like the country because this is uh, countries we're talking about now um but then they again they are on the top beer producing so i think there's a lot of you know specifics um and there's a lot of kind of like reasoning behind uh, the top 15 beer cities. Um, it might even be like down to specific breweries that are, you know, must see in the world. And they just so happen to be in those cities. So as I said, 10 is Spain. And so Spain was not on, um, didn't have a single city on the top 15 beer cities. Nine, Poland. So Poland did have Warsaw. Now this one, I was shocked that it was not in the top 15 beer cities so the united kingdom comes in at number eight top beer producing countries that makes absolute total sense to me um but yet i thought that london would would be in the top 15 beer cities they have a pub i swear on every corner um, i'm sure there's tons of breweries everywhere you look uh so number seven japan so okay that makes sense tokyo being on the top 15 beer cities um, Mexico, so Mexico, that's really cool. Um, Russia uh, was number five. Then we have uh, Germany at number four, so it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, number three, we have Brazil. And then two, we have the U.S. And then number one, we have China. So that was kind of the big shock to me, that, you know, China being the number one uh, beer producing country so here's where things kind of threw me for a loop and this is where I was kind of getting frustrated because I would research these so I say okay well that's one way of looking at it it's, you know what countries produce the most beer but then I went to look at well how many breweries um, are in each of these countries and that would kind of identify the amount of interest that there is now, I understand that like the U.S. is, is really big compared to, um, let's say here, uh, Poland. So I get that is a complete difference. So there was another stat that was, you know, um, breweries per capita. So let me put this into perspective for you. So China, and this is why I was confused because China's not small. 
Um, so China has, uh, they produced 38 million, I think it's kiloliters. I could be wrong um, on that. KL, kiloliters, hopefully. And then the U.S. is producing uh, 21 million kiloliters. Now, I tried to go through every single one on the list to kind of be able to prove that it's, you know, in order of the top 10. Now, we got, I, like in my research, I, I see that Russia, it claims is 7 million kiloliters, but Mexico is 11 million and Mexico is six and Russia is number five. But like, why is that? So that's where I kind of got confused. And then I would look at you know one and two china and u.s and then i would i would try to google well how many breweries so the u.s has um as of i believe 2019 or it was 2020 but this is the most recent stat i could find um 8275 breweries opposed to china which does uh 17 more million kiloliters than uh the u.s and they supposedly according to when you Google it, only have 200 breweries. And that really just threw me off. And I was I was thinking that can't be right. But I, I kept trying to research, kept trying to research, and it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then, uh, the, you know, Germany, I see, has like 1,500 as of last year. Uh, France has about 1,400. Um, the UK had uh, 2250, I believe, and all of this data I found the the earliest I found was 2015 and, and later, so it doesn't date back, you know, before 2015, and but still a lot has changed. I did find uh, kind of a map that had everything exactly what I was looking for, but I didn't want to include it because at that time it showed that the US had 4,000 uh, some odd breweries, but now five years later boom they've they've doubled that in size so i didn't want to include it because i thought that the statistics would kind of be you know all over the place but um kind of narrowing it down talking about well how does what does this mean for um craft beer in in different countries well this doesn't really prove any of it it doesn't really answer that question at all like i I hope uh it kind of answers it somewhat um i know it doesn't answer any of my questions um if anything it left me more confused but uh this does allow me to get uh, an excuse to dive into these countries individually and find out uh, what exactly is going on in other parts of the world because i definitely think it's worth checking out you know in my mind, I would imagine that the 200 breweries that China has must be massive breweries. Uh, they must be just producing a crap ton of beer. Whereas the U.S., I read a stat where it was about uh, maybe 70% of the 8,000 breweries um, were, were like microbreweries, craft breweries. Um, don't quote me on that, but uh, I know that I also read... They believe that there's about 19,000 breweries in the entire world. So think about that, 19,000 breweries, just under half of them are in the States alone. And I know Canada, as of uh, this year, last year, has only close to 1,200 breweries. 
So Canada and the U.S. alone make up half of the breweries in the world. But Canada doesn't even make it on the top beer-producing countries. Um, and the consumption, I forgot to mention that, uh, was pretty much the exact same list as the top uh, beer-producing countries, except Poland wasn't on it and Vietnam was. So Vietnam is drinking a lot of beer but not producing a lot, and Poland is producing a lot but not drinking enough. I think Poland was just on the outside. But, um, yeah, anyway, so 19,000 craft breweries in the world. And get this. The stat is that 94% of those breweries are craft breweries. And that does make a lot of sense because the the bigger names obviously are kind of just maybe four or five different uh, breweries spread out throughout a country. Um, and that would count as one, but obviously those breweries are are producing, you know, 100 times what maybe a, a small microbrewery could do. So that makes a lot of sense, but it's also really awesome news in my opinion. I think that definitely, uh, you know, stands out in my mind as, as, as something I am proud to say that, you know, there's more craft breweries in the world than there are big-name breweries. But then again, we still have a lot of work to do to uh, get people more involved and to support more uh, local breweries. But anyways, maybe hopefully an analyst is listening and they can break down all that information, but I have a headache from talking about that and trying to get it out in a way that um, makes sense to you guys. Um, And hopefully it does. And if not, you can go ahead and try and do your own research and uh, try to get to the bottom of it because I spent a good uh, few hours trying to go through different articles, this and that, and kind of would get bounced around here and there and get a different staff for this and get a different staff for that. But I think it's time now we, we finally enjoy a, a beer and get to the brewery part of this podcast, the most enjoyable part uh, of this podcast. I don't even think I mentioned the brewery we'll be discussing yet. I've been so, um, you know, combobbled with, uh, with what I've been trying to say. But uh, it's a brewery that we actually talked about not too long ago. I've said uh, a few times when doing uh, our competitions that uh, you know I don't discuss the breweries in those episodes just to give them the opportunity to have their own spotlight on a regular episode such as this one. Uh, so today we're going back to the Battle of the Pumpkin Ales uh, and welcoming back Great Lakes Brewery for their own spotlight feature. Uh, Great Lakes is actually a pretty well-known uh, established craft brewery here in Ontario. They were established in 1987. Uh, first opening uh, operating out of Brampton, Ontario. Uh, the five founders named it Great Lakes because they dreamed of opening five breweries around the Great Lakes. So that's uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So from 1987 to 1990, Great Lakes only produced two types of beers, uh, a lager and an ale. They actually brewed these beers using malt extract, uh, but not... Um, full mash uh, all grain brewing which is actually kind of interesting and gives inspiration and motivation to um, home brewers who are just starting out and they're using malt extract Um, I upgraded to all grain a little while ago and it it definitely is a lot more complicated process but uh, it just goes to show that you can make really good beer uh, just from the malt extract and and they got raving reviews uh, as well from the beer community Um, they packaged them in one liter bottles and they really wanted to focus on the, the home consumer rather than retail at first. So in 1991, 
1992, uh, the Blute family purchased the brewery, uh, and they noticed immediately that some changes uh, needed to be made in order for expansion. Uh, one was that they needed to move locations, so they moved the brewery from Brampton to their current day location in Etobicoke. Now, one thing I wanted to mention is Etobicoke, that's how you say it, uh, not however they said it in that Netflix documentary, Etobicoke, that is the proper pronunciation. Uh, the second change was to advance their brewing process to all grain brewing. So eventually they did make the big step, um, and as they should have because they could have been a little bit more um, you know, specific with their recipes, make it a little bit more theirs rather than have this um, already you know, pre-done mash. But uh, 1992, uh, a friendship would blossom that would shape Greylix Brewery forever. So Mike Lackey, who was now the head brewer there, uh, got word that his longtime friend Peter Blute Jr. was now the owner and chief brewing officer. Uh, so Mike Lackey knew he had to hit them up uh, for you know, a summer job. Um, in 2000, they opened up their retail store. Uh, and flashing forward six years later, 2006, they introduced their Devil's Pale Ale at the Toronto Festival of Beer. And it was so popular, they continued making it year-round. Uh, when it hit the LCBO, it was a complete success and has actually been noted to have been a major contributor to the start of the hop craze in Ontario. I mentioned those hop heads last episode. Uh, that is exactly who started the hop craze here in Ontario. So after this beer, uh, Great Lakes would have multiple successes with other beers and would become a staple uh, in the world of on Ontario craft. In 2012, they celebrated their 25-year anniversary and have added to their lineup even more. They even started doing um, what they call Tank 10, which is kind of, I think, smaller batches um, to be able to make more varieties of beer to get out to different consumers. Uh, they make a bunch of different good beer. The beer we're going to be trying today is uh, Octopus Wants to Fight IPA. It's an, uh, an American-style IPA with uh, a very creative design on the can. Actually, all their cans seem to have uh, a great sense of creativity. And as we saw with the pumpkin ale uh, a little while back, that had a nice um, orange kind of drawing uh, of a pumpkin on there. Um, and I gave a very high review of it. I cannot wait to see what this beer uh, brings me. That was actually one of the greatest pumpkin ales I've ever tasted in my life. So very, very high hopes. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to crack this beer open and I'm going to start recording the uh, very first full tasting video uh, in this new studio. So stay tuned for that. All right, so we're going to give this beer uh, a pour. I'm actually going to do this one um, on the mic because usually I wouldn't have kind of a, a whole video rolling at the same time. I would do them in between. I would take a, a video of me cracking the can and, and pouring it, whereas now uh, I have to do it kind of all in one shot. Um, but that's okay because we have a nicer location. I have all my glasses sitting to the right of me um, and a nice comfy couch to sit in. So, going to grab this glass here. The glass is sponsored by Royal City Brewing out of Guelph, Ontario. Excuse the sound of the crack. All right, so we'll give this a pour. So it's got a beautiful kind of dull orange, kind of almost like a burnt gold. I think uh, that's how they kind of described it on the website. Um, beautiful, thick 
uh, colored head. And actually, what's cool uh, about this beer, try and show it to the camera there, um, is that not only is the the artwork awesome, but it kind of has this fun little description um, about it. Uh, it says, our pet octopus is a bit of a jerk. He's that guy who has uh, a couple that either f- tells you how much he loves you or threatens to fight you. So we brewed this IPA with eight varieties of hops and eight types of malt. We targeted 88 IBU and 8.8% to appease him. Sadly, when he found out that he fabricated all, all of the above info, it only made him more volatile. We are starting to realize that octopus was a poor choice for a pet. Um, and I noticed that on all the Grey Lakes Brewery cans, they kind of have that little tidbit of information. You can actually see it on their, their website, greatlakesbeer.com. Uh, wicked website. They have tons of beers on there that you can you can check out. Uh, this beer, they said 8.8 is not what they, they got to. So it seems to be uh, 6.2%. Um, and then also they did a- achieve 88 IBUs. Uh, so that's good, but uh, let's get back to the actual tasting. I actually really love this color. I think this color is almost exactly what I thought the pumpkin beer kind of would look like. Um, it's a beautiful orange, honestly. Like my favorite color is orange, but this, like, this is just beautiful. So on the nose, it's it's super classic, super trademark. Tons of a floral. Um, a little bit of pine in there on the website. I believe they describe it as uh, taking a walk in a in a pine forest. I definitely understand that. Super juicy smelling. So I'm hoping to get that really juicy um, tropical fruit type uh, flavor from it. I really love the look of this beer. I think uh, it's definitely pretty traditional. Uh, I love the the sustained head here. Um, let's give it a sip because I can't uh, I can't look at this any longer without trying it. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. Okay, so here's what I'll say. F- at first, what happens is you get kind of that bitterness. You get that little punch in the mouth kind of hoppy taste. And it's 88 IBUs, so it's definitely um, not light on the bitterness whatsoever. So you get that right away. But then what happens is it almost gets, it becomes like sweeter and sweeter. And then I know on the website, and this is kind of the aha moment that I was waiting for, is they describe it as, uh, you know, onto juicy fruit. So like the gum. Uh, I think that's what they're referring to. But uh, that's what at least how I'm taking it. And I think that is spot on 100%. I almost get like, you know, when you bite, uh, I get it a lot in the Trident Layers gum. I don't know if you guys have had the Trident Layers gum. But when you take that first bite and that packer, that pucker power hits you right on the cheeks, that's what I get right away. And I, I love that. It's it's not like sour in terms of like a sour beer. Um, nothing like that at all. Nothing like uh, those beers we tried in the, the Battle of the Sour Ales. But I'm going to give it another sip here. I can't get over how this beer looks, especially in this glass. Mmm. Mm. Okay, you get. I think like you get a lot of dankness in that first sip, a lot of like um, like dry grass, uh, very grassy beer at, at first, but then it it just sails into this kind of ocean of sweetness, and I just love that. 
and it's it's absolutely like to biting into like a really sweet piece of gum, and that's on the finish. Um, it's got great mouthfeel, kind of medium bodied. I love everything about this beer. Uh, I, I think it's really good. I gotta give it one last sip before I can give it a score. I, I don't want to, um, you know, disappoint this beer at all. I, I'm definitely it's living up to the hype that I thought it would have. Okay. I'm going to give this beer, you know what, I'm going to give this beer, they wanted to make a beer with eight different kinds of hops, they wanted to make a beer with eight different types of malt, they wanted to make a beer that sat at 8.8%, and they wanted to make a beer that hit 88 IBUs, so to match all of that, this beer is going to get an 8.8 Great Lakes Brewery. Octopus Wants to Fight, American IPA. Go check it out. Go check out the brewery. A great uh, great story, great place, um, and, and definitely a, a whole great image to match their quality, quality beer. So go check them out. Um, as for the, the video um, that was kind of just happening, that will be posted um, on Saturday, so tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which is Friday. And hopefully you enjoy it. I got to do some editing on it, of course. It's the very first one. So I hope that it uh, definitely lives up to <laughs> kind of the hype and kind of the delay that I've been I've been putting out. And, of course, I'll fix some things, maybe some better angles and stuff. Um, but this was kind of a, I guess, a confusing episode in a way. There was a lot going on. So thanks for, for uh, bearing with me. And uh, next week will be a very, very special episode as we'll be announcing the winner of the Craft Beer Talk Show Instructs You to Craft Beer uh, Choice of the Year Award. I'll actually be doing that with a special guest, so you're not going to want to miss that. Um, So until then, cheers.